Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored with me, Isabel Oakeshott and Richard Tice. Virtue signaling madness or a sensible way to stop the NHS from reaching meltdown? We'll debate whether bringing back masks is really justified. A new year and, yes, a new boat crossing already. Rishi Sunak promises new laws to stop the small boats, but with crossings soaring by some 60% on the previous year, is this really actually a promise that he will keep? And surgery-obsessed, we're going to meet the hairdresser who's already spent £30,000 and says he won't stop until he, he achieves what he sees as the perfect body. Live from London, this is Here's Morgan Uncensored with Richard Tice and Isabel Oakeshott. And a very good evening. Well, there's a dark new threat to our way of life tonight. It's disguised as an innocent-looking piece of cloth. Not so long ago, we all had to carry these face masks. Do you remember the fear of forgetting to carry one, finding yourself barred from going into the shops or wherever? Remember how hot and dirty and sweaty they were? They got loose, they became... Uh, after you'd used them a few times, to the point that it was perfectly obvious, frankly, they weren't stopping anything. They weren't stopping the spread of germs. But what about those nasty, disapproving looks from people? The bossy signs, the announcements, the pictures absurdly painted on the ground. How often did you actually wish that you'd invested in a business making those face masks? Any colour, pretty patterns, funny logos. But amazingly, turns out size didn't matter at all. Whether it was fitted or unfitted, it was one of those rare items where actually one size truly does fit all. Good God, where well, they really were awful, weren't they? And what a relief when we were no longer forced to wear them. Do you remember how horrible it was, in particular, seeing children being forced to wear them at school? So what did you do with your masks? Have you thrown them all away? Or have you neatly kept them in a distinct pile, still dirty? Or perhaps you've washed them, ironed them, and kept them as relics for your grandchildren? as a sort of historic symbol of the mad, mad time that we went through. Well, just when you thought that dreadful era couldn't get any worse, you put it all down to a horrible mistake. I'm afraid so. The masks are back. Yep, they're back. The ultimate virtue signal. Plastering your face with a little bit of cloth that says you're a careful and considerate citizen, putting others ahead of your own face. 
Once again, we're seeing these boxes of them at the entrances to public buildings. Once again, ministers are telling us that if we have a sniffle, it's sensible to put one on. And if you look around you on trains and buses, even on the street, in the shops, they are, I'm afraid, definitely on the rise. Now, sure, some people never actually managed to let theirs go. They became a kind of weird little facial security blanket. But right now, seemingly sensible people who did stop wearing them when the pandemic was over are putting them back on again. Well, what to do? Are you going to dig yours out again and reuse it? Are you going to object when you go into the GP surgery and hospital and someone asks you to mask up? Or will you quietly comply anything for an easy life? Well, I think, and I think you think so yeah, too, definitely. that people should resist this scourge. They need to be brave and we need to fight back until it goes away forever. We can be quite polite about it. All we need to do is point out that there is not a shred of actual evidence that these things make any difference whatsoever. Now, of course, medical-grade masks are a different matter. That's the kind worn by hospital doctors, uh, and they are effective. But there is not a single credible scientific study showing that non-medical masks, i.e. the type that you see on the streets, make any significant difference. Now, by the way, ministers know this full well. They just want to scare people and to be seen to be doing something. I should know, because having written his book, I know what Matt Hancock, the former health secretary, and his advisers privately said about the utility of masks at the time. And the truth is that we know the messaging around face masks, it was mixed from the very, very beginning. Let's just have a look now at what changed during the pandemic. The evidence on face masks has always been quite variable, quite weak, quite difficult to know exactly, and there's no real trials on it. And uh, we will, uh, we've undertaken a review, we'll give our advice to ministers and they'll make decisions about what to do around that. On face masks, we, do, we are guided by the science, but, and the government position uh, hasn't changed. As of Monday the 15th of June, face coverings will become mandatory on public transport. Oh, my. That is actually giving me the shudders just Completely. listening to that Completely. Me again. too. Well, joining us now is oncologist Professor Carol Sakura, a voice of reason on this issue, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, and GP doctor Natalie Rout. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I want to start with you, actually, Natalie, um, and perhaps you can tell us whether you are, in your GP practice, asking all patients now to mask up. Well, throughout the pandemic, I have worn a mask when I see my patients. I have not enforced patients to wear masks in the last year or so because there hasn't been as much of a need. And I think I've left it up to patients to choose whether they want to or not. The concern now is that the NHS is under significant amounts of pressure. You know that. Mm. You can't deny the statistics. You've got patients not making it to hospital, bed shortages, staff shortages, yeah, yeah. We know even oxygen yes. shortages. But yes. it's important to stress that because the well, reason... Well, it would be if masks made any difference. But they do, and that's the, that's damaging for you to say that masks do not make well, any difference. we've actually looked at all the... We have looked at all the, have all the studies. Well, let me bring in uh, Carol Sakura here because he 
is an expert on this and will tell us whether any of the studies show something different. I think Natalie's more of an expert being a GP than an oncologist. But I think the problem with masks is they're worn very badly by people. Mm -hmm. That Often their nose is showing. That completely negates the any, whole thing. The whole thing is negated. Uh, the other thing, they get scrumpled up in people's pockets. The paper masks are probably fairly useless. And the examples Natalie's brought here are decent masks. They're called um, filtering face pieces, FFP. And two and three are the ones that we use in hospitals. And these are valid. But the stuff that you see on the trains and on the tubes is not really doing much good to anybody. So what do you say to that? No. Well, I do agree that masks need to be fitted correctly. There isn't any point wearing one if it's going to be hanging below your nose or on your chin, and we have seen many people wearing them. So, mm. OK, if you're one of those people, then it's not going to work. But a well-fitted, good-quality mask, like an FFP2, does reduce transmission of both aerosol and droplets. So I know there's been some debate about, well, does it help with aerosols if you've got a cloth mask, which has bigger gaps in it so that things can pass mm -hmm. through? Perhaps not. But these ones certainly do. And certainly with droplets, even a well-fitted cloth mask will help. But the biggest, I think, most reputable study that was done in 2020 in Denmark, called the Danmask 19 study, of about 6,000 uh, people, uh, that showed that actually there was no statistical significant difference between those who wore masks and those who did not wear masks. And the professor of evidence-based medicine at the University of Oxford, Carl Hennigan, he was very clear. He wrote about this at the time. And he wrote about it yesterday again. Uh, I think the problem is that there are 28 studies. Most of them are completely useless. They're sort of almost <laughs> anecdotal. This was collected by health security, British Health Security Agency in 2021. And there are two that look good. One is the, the study you just mentioned, and there's another study which <laughs> showed the opposite, that the masks were effective. So I think the jury's out. What I really object to is this idea that if you wear a mask, you're somehow saving the NHS. It's just like, you've got cancer, <clears throat> don't bother which, going which to the Which is exactly GP. what you're suggesting. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not saying you we're saving no, it. No, I'm not but suggesting that we're saving it, but it's a small step. Yeah. It's an easy step. I mean, you're just saying how inconvenient yeah, it's it is. It's just but another little thing. Is just it? like all those things incrementally built up during but the pandemic. Is it, it more? inconvenient than it's not about inconvenience. I actually think but it's something there's something very sinister about covering your face with something which we all know doesn't work. How What's can you point? say that when several countries and cultures but, have done that pre-pandemic for years? But let's, sign of respect. but let's look at the evidence of Germany where actually they were required to wear the FFP3 mask <laughs> for the whole of 2021. And guess what happened at the end of 2021? They had a huge, huge surge of the new variant. So essentially it made no difference whatsoever. And I think, it, just look at the evidence, the scientific evidence, the anecdotal evidence, and I think it's, it's clear, particularly when most people are wearing pretty grubby, dirty cloth masks. But we're not asking everyone to wear an FFP3. The advice is that if you're unwell and you have a cough or you have got a runny nose, then wear one. Wear one if you're going into a healthcare institution where you're going to come into contact with more vulnerable people who are more susceptible to these viruses. So we're not going to have sort of a complete closure of all these viruses, but you're going to restrict it enough so that it buys the NHS a little bit more time. So are you actually saying then, instead of the advice being please wear a mask. Actually, the advice should be changed to, in these settings, in these circumstances, please wear a medical-grade mask. Yes, I think, right. that's, I think that's sensible. And that, I think we could probably... You know, I'm not going to love it, but I could see the case for that. Can I just ask you how you felt about children being forced to wear masks in schools? 
I don't think anyone should be forced to do anything. I think at the time when we weren't fully vaccinated and we wanted to keep our children in education, wearing a mask was a sensible option that, like I said, is not restrictive. It's safe, it's not harmful, uh, and it's easy to do. So, of course, there are certain children, for example, with learning disabilities, autism, Down syndrome, that that they shouldn't have had to wear a mask and they were actually exempt from wearing masks. But for the majority of children who are happy to wear them... I don't think uh, any kids on. are happy to there wear them. There are some children happy but, 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 to wear them. I uh, see Carol, them. you come in here, cos I can see you burning, <laughs> burning no, to jump you know, in. I was amazed. The, the leader editorial in The Times today talks about masks, and it's very, very much, as you say, Natalie, but at the end it says, if you feel iffy, you should wear a mask. Now, what, wait a minute. If you feel iffy, if you've got a temperature, if you're ill, surely you should shouldn't be going into a crowded room with other people. Right, the trouble is, you know, I came on a very early bus because of the train strike this morning. And, you know, the people sitting there on a 6.30 bus where I live can't afford not to go to work, whether mm. they've got fevers or not. They won't be paid. And maybe the Times readers aren't in that category, <laughs> but uh, there weren't too many copies on We the need bus. to come back to this point about children because yes. I fundamentally disagree. I think all of the evidence shows that actually children's education was dramatically hindered in terms of their it development, was. particularly for, for younger children. But not by the wearing of, No, by the wearing of masks, which held them back. Teachers couldn't properly communicate, and they felt terrified. They felt afraid, particularly young children who literally, for the first couple of years of their lives, they weren't seeing other faces. And I think the evidence shows that actually it held back uh, children's natural development. natural development, in particular speech development for so you, younger children. Especially if those from deprived backgrounds as well. There was a greater deprivation difference between the wealthy and the deprived. I mean, how do you deprived. feel when you saw babies being made to wear masks? I haven't seen a baby being made to oh, wear masks. Oh, I have. You know, well, I, I, have, I see babies day in, day out in my practice, on. and no baby was asked okay, to wear a so, mask. OK, so <laughs> at what point do you think it's acceptable for children to be asked to wear masks? Well, if they're school-going and happy to wear one, then it's fine, but let's you just remember... You keep coming back to this happy-to-wear one. I it's not a seen... normal or natural or in any way kind of acceptable thing to do but to we're ask not asking children to children cover up to their wear faces. them at the moment. You're only yeah, but this, asked to wear this, them this if you're is, going this out. Is, this is, this this is the thin end of the wedge, isn't it? At the moment, it's just in certain places, yeah. certain times, and then a month down the track, another yeah. minister will say... Just a little bit and more. And then Nicola Sturgeon will get involved. Oh, yes. Involved. <laughs> and everyone's think, terrified of her. Do you think anyone thought that children would have to live through a pandemic? Did you think you'd have to live through a pandemic? These are unprecedented times. No-one expected this to happen. But, but, so how but, can you... But you don't, you don't impose things on children without evidence that it's not going to harm children's development and it's not going to actually harm their health. And the clear evidence that we've learned since masks were worn by children for way, way too long... For, um, is that actually it has been harmful. Yeah. No-one is asking all children to wear masks. I wouldn't ask any children to wear a mask. If they're happy to do so, then and they are unwell and going out somewhere, then... Do, do you have children? I don't, I don't, but I am a GP, so I see children see day children, in, day I, out. I mean, I have three children. Not one of them was happy to wear a mask. No normal child is happy to wear a mask. Children just want to be children in a free environment. They don't want bits of cloth stuck to their face and be made to fear a virus that wasn't even a significant risk to all but the tiniest minority.
Do they like wearing fancy dress costumes with masks saying that they're Captain America? Oh, they do. Yeah, they <laughs> do. They're <laughs> very similar. If you sell that to a child, this is how I do my work. How do you think I examine a child? No one likes to fancy be examined. Fancy dress for one evening is one thing. Well, you know, making them wear it every day, I'm pretty sure my kids would be objecting. No one is asking a child to wear a mask every day. I don't know why we're talking about this. We're talking about it because, because it harmed children's development and education through this period. Carol, just But it hasn't it. happened yet, in all fairness. You're ganging up a bit on Natalie, I'm afraid. And <coughs> I have to say, happening. it's not happening. I don't think it will happen because of what we're doing tonight and other people doing the same thing. If we right. make masks Indeed. mandatory... I just think our well, guard is up, that's all. Our guard is up. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> but maybe it's a test to see what would happen if you suggest yeah. people all wear masks or if you suggest mandatory mask weight. Not wearing. much compliance is... is Carol, better. Natalie, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank Fascinating you. debate. We we will come back to it. We will try and stop it next tonight. So, the first migrant crossings of 2023 has already been brought to shore yesterday by UK's border force, with 44 migrants being brought to Dover. But the Prime Minister, yes, he's pledged it, he's promised it, new laws again. But will they work? Debating that up next. Well, he's spent more than £30,000 so far. When will he stop? We're going to meet the man who is obsessed with plastic surgery. But, but before anything else, we just need to reflect on that discussion about masks. I mean, Natalie, what, what was she talking about? The sort of fancy dress and linking that to masks? So I thought she was, she was doing quite well, because obviously we're both quite hostile to her point of view. Um, I was sort of buying into the idea of medical-grade masks being effective in certain settings, mm -hmm. but she totally lost it to me when she started talking about children being happy to wear masks. And she just kept using that expression, didn't she? And I just kept thinking of my own children, thinking, of course they're not happy to wear masks, and nor is any child normally happy. But then she started talking about this fancy dress analogy. Oh, are they happy to wear fancy dress? Well, yes, and it's only for one evening. And I think she actually admitted... <clears throat> that it didn't help children's education and, and essentially harmed it. I think that was a, a key point. Yes. Um, I mean, Carol Sakura provided quite a good bit of balance there, yeah. didn't he? But, I mean, I wasn't left feeling any less militant on no, this issue. No, but I, uh, this is the thin end of the wedge and I am seriously worried. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. And, and it's just the creeping nature it's of it, isn't nature. it? Yeah, absolutely. But first, well, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, he's promised once again to pass new laws, more laws, to stop the illegal migrants crossing the Channel. <clears throat> this is one of the government's five key priorities. Yes, again, more priorities. Yes, the scale of the small boats crisis has soared over recent years. So in 2020, just over 8,000 migrants made the crossing, which is actually a huge number, but that shot up to more than 25,000 the next year. Turned out that was just the tip of the iceberg and a record 45,756 made the journey last year. And with 44 migrants being brought ashore on the first small boat crossing of the year, the question is how many more are going to succeed in reaching the UK this year? Well, uh, joining us is the former security and border management expert. Well, you're not a former expert, are you? You're a very current uh, expert, yes. Henry yeah. Bolton. <laughs> and immigration lawyer Harjap Singh 
uh, Bangle, thank you very much for coming on to talk about this issue. So Rishi Sunak today pledged to introduce, bring in new legislation to stop the small boats. Slight feeling of déjà vu, I have Slight. to say. Hajar, <laughs> um, what do you think is going to change this year? I don't think much is going to change unless we're going to address fundamentally the root of the problem, and that is the gangs right. who are profiting and putting people on the dinghies and on the boats. There's been no sort of announcement as to how to get them. Um, so we know that people trafficking makes more money than drug trafficking. So it's a big business. You now you don't stop drug dealing by locking up or punishing drug users. In the same way that if you start detaining or putting um, uh, asylum seekers into detention or pushing them back, hoping that this will stop the people smugglers, mm. to whom one boat is worth £250,000. It is a lot of money. So do you actually work then, as a, as a lawyer, do you work helping the cases of some of the people that are coming over on these boats? Um, I used to a lot. And yeah. what happens is they're dealt with at um, the point when the, where they actually come in. They don't have a lawyer there. Right. They only need a lawyer once a claim's being processed or if a claim is refused. And so they don't really get legal aid for that anymore uh, in relation to that. So uh, if someone's claim gets refused, then by all means they have a right of appeal. We can ask for a review on that. Or if we feel a decision is unfair, it can be challenged. Or if it, if it comes to we think that human rights have been obstructed or anything do like you, that. Do you not have an ethical problem with making money, you know, it's what you do for a living, um, off the back of giving advice to people who have quite clearly come here illegally and illegitimately? Yeah, but it's, it's not actually illegal to come here and it's not illegal to claim asylum. And there's no, there, is no, but the, there is no obligation on anyone to claim asylum in the first uh, place they land. However, it's their claim. It is an obligation for this country to listen to their claim and deal with it fairly, whether they accept it or refuse it. But actually, it, they have come here illegally. They've come here without papers. And that is quite clear. Under the, uh, un under the UN 51 Convention, They've come here illegally. Because so, there's no legal route for them to come in. The, how we, 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 how we do you expect them to come in? OK, we don't have a legal obligation to provide routes to the rest of the billions of people around the world to come and live in the United Kingdom. Um, Henry, let's, let, let, let's ask you. So, uh, Harjap doesn't think that much mm. is going to change. <clears throat> At the beginning of last year, uh, the, the Tory government said that the Nationality and Borders Bill would change mm -hmm. everything. That's yeah. now been enacted. Yeah. And it's changed nothing. Correct. And I don't see this as changing anything. I think what we saw, I mean, in general, in terms of Rishi Sunak's five points, his five promises, was a firefighting response to what he sees as a threat to the Conservative Party in their election in, in a couple of years, uh, or the, the next general election. And he's right to see that as a threat. Um, but he's got no answers. There is nothing new in anything he said, and particularly on the immigration side. Uh, another piece of legislation, all, that's, all he's saying to us is that the legislation that we put before Parliament before simply wasn't <laughs> up to the, the job. But we picking didn't get up that Harjap's right. point, the reality <laughs> is there's so much money in the gangs, and right. by the way, mm. the vested interests here in the UK, frankly, are making a lot more money, well, a lot more profits than the gangs. But... Until, until The truth is, until we actually pick up and safely take people back to France, nothing will change. Well, uh, there's, there's a, a couple of elements to this, Richard, to, if we're going to be successful. Um, the government talks about breaking the business model. To do that, um, we have to sort of think of this... We take the analogy of, of travel agents. 
and they're marketing their holiday destinations. This is what the people smugglers are doing. And Albania is a classic case, and the Kosovo are Albanians and, and people like that. Classic case, and it's a very good example because it demonstrates very clearly that we've got people coming here claiming asylum to effectively bypass the rules um, who are economic migrants. There's a very clear case, and that's why the Albanian thing is so important, not just because of the numbers. Um, but if you want to disrupt that, you have to break that business model, and the only way to do it is to go after, as, as Harjap says, the organised crime networks. You've got to disrupt them, and you've got to hunt them down ruthlessly, not just work with a bit of training and capacity look, building. The, it's... That's one element, though. Yeah. The other element as you would do if you want to reduce the number of tourists going to a country, is reduce the attractiveness of that country, the acceptability of it. And we are an incredibly... We're very attractive. Attra we're very attractive. Yeah. And all you have to do is look at the amount of asylum claims that we accept and that we process and we grant for nationalities compared to the European Union. For example, the French or the Germans and so on, who absolutely take a great deal... Particularly, again, in the case of economic migrants... They, they understand the difference between an economic migrant and a, a refugee. And France, for example, only grants 2% asylum claims to Albanians. Oh. So we've got a massive discrepancy yeah. there. Uh, Harjab, do you understand the difference between an economic migrant and an, a, a genuine asylum seeker? Of course. Right. And do you <laughs> accept that the overwhelming evidence from the government itself is that a very significant proportion of those coming over on these boats are actually opportunists? Once again, that's because there's no way for low-skilled migrants to come to this of country. Of course there is. We used to have, of course we used, there no, is. No, there isn't. There, there is an extraordinary the, 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 number of ways the, the, to come the, the, to this country. The work permit scheme, <clears throat> and it's called a Tier 2 oh, skilled yeah, we know worker. About it. Right, so it's called a skilled worker. Yes. There's nothing called an unskilled worker. Oh, now, if I'm, a, if I'm a waitress, if I'm a lorry driver... I can't come into this country. Uh, but, yeah, but that's it. That's, 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 that's it. You can't Hold come it. into this country. Yeah. The point you can't. You've got to come... That we don't want them. So, if the government wanted them, we they would create that facility. The thing is, where it doesn't exist, where we say, actually, we don't want the low-skilled workers, that's government policy. It's in our sovereign right to enact that policy and not provide a route in for that. So Albanians, again, I use that as because they're a great economic example of economic migrants. They can apply, okay. like anybody else, for a work permit or yeah, to come... Just, a, work, a work but permit they, can they only be... get rejected. Henry, a work permit can only be... Yeah, they're right. They will be rejected they because, be rejected. The because <laughs> certain categories... So like a waiter, a security no, guard. It's not true. In the skilled worker right. scheme, there are 800 different job titles down to a salary of just over £16,000. Not a waitress, not, not, <coughs> a a a not a hairdresser, in Leicester, not a hairdresser, not a butcher. Why should we take them, we don't need right, right, I'll give you an example. Right. An example mm -hmm. is, as soon as you enter this building, yes. you see two security guards yes. who are migrants. What's that? Who come here lawfully. Who come here lawfully under our existing lawful scheme. They could not... They, they came under, probably under free movement or when the visa system they, they was available. Come on a if they, if they want to come over that. now, they can't do it. But Hodge, one, but your makeup got, artist, well, who did Hodge, my makeup, she's a migrant. We've got five but, but, million people but, on out-of-work well, benefits. Well, we want to get our own people well, but, back but into work. We've been saying well, this since 2016. Right. It hasn't worked. Well, yeah, six answer, years to get the, the British people is, back into work. It hasn't done. But the answer then, if that's what you believe, the answer then is to argue in terms of politics that we need to create that. Yeah. But it is not, absolutely it is not, to turn around and say, well, because the government policy is such that we are not accepting such applications from abroad, they are, we should accept the, th the fact right. that they so, come across on small boats. No, so that's so unacceptable. If, uh, it's break, it's, 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 it there's no defence no, of breaking no, the law. No, 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 no one's Sorry. saying that we should accept 
um, asylum seekers under or economic migrants under the guise of asylum seekers. What we're saying is we should understand there is a need for migration across the whole board, and we should have an specific number of people. No, of course we don't. So what limit do you would you put on it? It sounds to me like you just want to import a load of people. Why don't you ask the businesses? Why don't you ask the care industry? Why don't you ask the care sector what they need? Why don't you ask the trucking industries what they need? How much? Why why are we hurting our own businesses? And, make, and having shortages... Because what, I'll, right, t- I'll tell you why, because why I, want, we trained, I want to get our own five million people why haven't who we are trained our work benefits. Well, well, That's what we need to do. Years. Here we go. I, Before I, we finish, right, you both agreed nothing's going to change. Correct. What, Harjap, is your forecast for the number of elite people who will come here illegally over the channel it won't this change. year? It won't change. So you're saying an, at uh, least another... I, I, it won't change because the gap is nothing to stop the gangs. We can Henry, go- your forecast? I, 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 Richard, if you'll, ex- if you'll forgive me, I'm going to look a bit further no, than no, a year. No, no, we haven't got time. Further than What's year, your number? But I, uh, further than a year, I think in five years we're going to be facing the situation that the, the, the Americans have got on the south border, uh, their southern border. Give me a number, Henry. Uh, by then? No, now, this year, 2023. Come on. Go on, say 45. Come on, 45, 60, 60, 60, 60 to 100,000. That is a pretty wide range, Henry Bolton. It, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I think it's going to grow with, Bangle, with thank you so much indeed. Nothing. There <laughs> nothing is going to change. Rishi Sunak, you better listen in. Coming up next, well, back to the Prime Minister again. He wants all pupils at a time of crisis to study maths until the age of 18. Does the country really need this? We'll put a maths test designed for a 13-year-old to our panel to see how they get on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Still to come tonight... We'll meet the man who has spent a year's salary trying to make himself look perfect, or at least what he thinks is perfect. But first, let's just recap on that debate over the migrant, the boat migrant crossings, and Sunak's pledge to bring in new laws to stop it happening. I mean, what was interesting is that neither of them actually thought they were going to make any difference. I mean, it's, at it's all. utterly ridiculous. Here we are, another year, another bunch of laws from another Tory government with another Tory prime minister that talks the talk and never delivers on anything. And they both agree nothing's going to change. Henry's prediction, 60 to 100,000, even harder. Mind you, he's got a vested interest. Uh, he does have a vested interest. And the other thing is it always seems to get kind of co- conflated with the debate as to what, how much migration yes. we need at all, whereas actually how people are coming across is a sort of a separate issue, isn't it? Well, we could go on about that for We ages, could go on about that for one your Well, topics. one of my favourite topics. Yeah. <laughs> but some of my favourite panel, of course, delighted to be joined... <laughs> by TV contributor Esther Kraku 
and the Daily Mirror associate editor, Kevin Maguire. Very warm welcome to you. We are going to put you straight on your toes, team, because... <laughs> oh, God. Yes, the Prime Minister wants us all to learn maths. So just a quick question for you, team. Okay. Here we go. Oh, dear God. So, Esther, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? What could possibly... Yeah, yeah. An example... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so, Maya bought 18 apples. She used 50% of the apples to make apple pie and mixed a third of the apples with other fruits to make the salad. How many apples did she have left? A third of the remaining apples. You're so right. You about absolutely the nailed it, you see. You've identified the, the flaw, the greyness in the wording. OK. So it's a third of the total apples. OK, a third of the total apples. I've, I mean, we always have to read the question yeah. again, don't Six we? Six, if it's a yeah. third of the... There you are, yeah. look at this. The panel are absolutely yeah. on top well form. Well, well, well done, well <laughs> done. I am impressed. I'm I hate these questions. So yeah. I've got kids that age and they sometimes do show me their maths homework and ask for help. And I'm so embarrassed to say yeah. that. I, I think you have so to be a bit of a linguist I as well. I exactly. Do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the wording is often so yeah. badly done yeah. that it could be many. Can, 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 can I suggest if she's going to do this for 16, 17, 18 year olds, he doesn't do apple pies, but maybe pints and shots. Well, yeah, that, more something. related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's come on to the Prime Minister yeah. because the reality is that he's given a speech today that he rushed forward because I gave a speech in the morning. Oh, well, it's, all, it's all about you. It's all about me. Come on, it's all about me. Nothing changes here, does it? It's, it's all about you. It always is. Steady. Um, but look, um, he's given five key priorities, and we keep hearing about priorities, but, um, Kevin, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, the big headline they briefed out, maths to 18, really? Which isn't one of his five priorities. Well, Unbelievable. That because three are on the, uh, the economy, one's on NHS waiting lists, and there's the fifth is on boat crossing. Which proved it was so, rushed. So, of course it was. And it, Richard, with all due respect to you, I think it's because Keir Stommer's making a speech Surely tomorrow. Surely not. Given your party's nibbling away, you know, part of the Tory the vote, you may, you, may, you may be a factor, but I think it was really Stommer. Okay. Look, if, you've, if you haven't got anything really big to say, don't say anything. Oh, and uh, that was the problem, because he came with five rather vague They were goals. vague. Um, so how, what is the likelihood, you think, of him achieving them? So if we just quickly run through them, there was reducing inflation. He'll, he'll By hit, half, but, which, is, which was the only specific but, thing but he, he said. That'll hit, that'll hit this year, because all of all, it, the Office for Budget Responsibility is saying it'll happen. be 3.8 at the end of the year. Anyway. Yeah, Growing exactly. the economy, yeah. well, from a pretty low start. Bank of England says there's going to be a recession this year, so that'll be 2024, not this year. I right? think he's banking on the, the Americans not... Teetering technically into yeah. a recession. And then there was, you can remember the other ones. Uh, reducing <laughs> NHS waiting lists. Well, yeah, they exactly. can fiddle that. Uh, and yeah. that was the biggest of them all but, because he just said yeah. reduce. He didn't when? actually say by how much. Probably 2024, two. Uh, um, more jobs, wasn't it? With more and better paid jobs. Yeah. Unemployment's yeah. forecast to go up half a million. And then the boat crossings. In a way, you can't cross them because even if you have a safe and legal route in, which I think we should have, you may disagree, but I think we should. We've already got one. It's called they, a skilled worker they visa program. They would still be those who wouldn't be allowed in who are going to. Take a chance, which is a backhanded compliment. I think I think he's doing that on the on the chance that there's better negotiation, um, mm. sort of cooperation with the the, bo the border mm. force in France. I think that's why he's saying that because he's sure that will pan out. Um, I, on the maths point, though, I do I do think it was. I understood what he was saying. I think I might be the only person that kind of understood no, his trajectory, but it. he didn't it. elaborate it very but, well. But where's where's the sense that actually the country is in crisis? Mm. The okay. country is literally broken. Nothing works in this place anymore. 
Th I don't there's think no sense of urgency about any of these priorities. No, because it's on it's on their watch, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And they've been in power 13 years. So do you really want to say? Mm, yeah, yeah, we, we did have the up. biggest <laughs> fall. We did have the biggest fall in in living standards last year on record. We have got a wave of strikes. And NHS is in crisis. Yeah. All have happened on their watch. So he can't say the country's broken. You just can't do it. He's got to pretend things are a bit better than they are and he will make them person, even better. One person that's not pretending things are better mm. than they than they should be is Nadine Doris. You know, the <laughs> Boris Johnson's outrider. She issued a furious tweet yeah. after that announcement by Rishi Sunak, basically talking about the unravelling of the last three years of progressive, what she called progressive Tory government. What did you make, Kevin, of that intervention by Nadine Doris? And it will, of course, fuel speculation about a possible Boris comeback. Well, it will, because she you know, she's his outrider, isn't he? She's, mm. the, she's the number one fangirl. He put her in the cabinet. You should cabinet. probably get a woman that loves you like yeah. a woman. Yeah. Oh, everybody. That is, that is, that is <laughs> the antidote to divorce. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> Honestly. But, but most people would have to get a Labrador to get that amount of uh, devotion. But, of course, she's also cheesed off, to put it lightly, because they're not going to privatise Channel 4 by the looks of it, which she yeah. said they should, and he sees it not as a priority, and there's no real case to do it anyway. No one's talking public about service. The whole thing's a success. Yeah. red herring, frankly. Exactly. Given everything else that yeah. was going on. And I think it's a bit yeah. insulting, actually, to the British public. Like, with all yeah. the things going on, you really want to sort of play yeah. political Tetris with this pointless yeah. privatisation scheme. I, I don't think... I, I mean, I just think it would show the priorities are off and it would really not play but well. Isabel, but you know, you know there's going to be push Johnson forward all the time. And Sunak isn't, isn't secure as Prime Minister. He isn't secure. So no. I think the over... I'd be really interested in your take on... You know, Sunak's been there for a few months now... The overwhelming sense seems to be, both within the party and among voters, that he's just incredibly underwhelming. What, what yeah, you... well, well, I'd agree, but I think he's probably the best they've got. And yeah. mm. when you're on your third prime minister in a single parliament, I don't think you can change again. What a again. dismal reflection on 350 <sighs> Tory MPs that he's the best they got. Yeah. I describe him as a bureaucratic, boring bean counter. But the thing is, he has yeah. to be only slightly better than... <laughs> than Keir Starmer, who's also a bureaucratic, yeah, boring bean you, counter. That's the thing. You it's, you... it's about your op opposition, not about you being a standout character. And this is this is the mm. point. I think if you look at if you look at Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak right now, their politics aren't actually very different. They're a lot of uh, the oh, very I think they're more, pretty big. They're both variants of socialism. Well, of, yeah. yes, well, democratic uh, socialism. Sunak and I isn't. think, but you can see that because yeah. the more the more left wing uh, part of the Labour Party are very unhappy with Keir Starmer at the moment as well. So you can see that they're really not that that different in terms of their actually the actual policies. I think if, if Keir Starmer was to win the general election tomorrow, his his sort of political outlook would be just slightly more woke versions of Rishi Sunak. But right. the actual substance of it wouldn't be very different because ideological politics is dead. I, th I think you know... No, 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 no. <laughs> Look... Sunak is a Thatcherite. That's what he is. Sound oh, come on. But he hasn't, he hasn't been able to deliver, has he? And he has the air of a provincial building society manager. You can imagine him in a very small branch in a little town, you're giving you tea and biscuits and saying you can't have your mortgage. So, that's, what, uh, that's, that's what he's about. He's just, he doesn't inspire. I don't that's think we're going to disagree with you on that. Well, look, before we let you go, the next segment on the programme is an extraordinary story about a young man who has spent over 30 grand <laughs> on surgery, trying to create the perfect body. We have to ask... Did he succeed? Would either of you go down that route, potentially, uh, at any point? What makes later? you think I haven't? And it went oh. wrong. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. No, 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 there's no, no, no. Look, people don't spend their money as their wish, but no way. No, uh, I'm not against it, to be honest. I wouldn't spend uh, that much, and no. I, I, I just, you know... 
I don't think anyone needs that much, but uh, I'm not against cosmetic <laughs> yeah. surgery. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not gonna lie. I don't like cosmetic surgery on men. I'm just, I'm not here for it. So 30, I don't 30, find it attractive. 30, oh, okay. So you're drawing a distinction between men and women. Oh, yeah. I think it's, oh, okay. Yeah. So because yeah. most men can't tell the difference when a woman gets cosmetic surgery. This is the thing. So they say, I hate it. But when you see it, they really can't tell the difference. And most of these, these two are laughing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's true. I'm, Unless I'm it's really overdone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't tell. But with a man, especially a straight man getting cosmetic surgery, I just think, mm, you're not for me. Oh, okay. Blimey. What do you All think? Right. That's a bit judgmental. I, well, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that this industry, which started out being very much a female thing, yeah. is moving massively towards that equality. Uh, and I just think, it, some, in some cases, I think it's quite sad because you're seeing younger and younger yeah, people exactly. doing it yeah. who are already beautiful. Yeah. They're fit, they're healthy. They don't need it. You know, and you see it on the Love Island and all of that. The beautiful young women with lovely faces and they're adding all sorts of stuff that they don't need. I think it's a symptom mm. of the problem rather than the actual problem. Yeah. I think it's it's generally it's it's something a lot deeper on a societal level than just trying to look perfect. Social media pressure, Kevin. You're still not. There is, you know, no, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, but, you, but you you can tell. But if you had to do something, what would you do? What if I? I don't need to do anything. I mean, if you had no. to, if you had you, to squint. No, what you'd like to think? What uh, what do I have that doesn't work? Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. is, is, he, is he the perfect specimen exactly. of the social? I mean, you know, Obviously. Do you even need to ask? As an alpha male. Exactly. Oh, well, you know. You know? <laughs> what about hair transplants? Do you, is that, uh, you is know that what? a different category? No, you know, if it goes, it goes. You know? mm. I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate I might be different on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that well, be. you know. Can you, if you've got I'm the money and you want to do it, do it. You've got an amazing head of hair. Long way to stay. I'm an advocate for bald men. Just shave it all off. Right. Just go the well, Bruce Willis look. Exactly. It's gone. That's yeah. great. Well, um, as we've been discussing, we are going to meet Stephen, uh, the young man who's addicted to enhancing his appearance through surgery. But is it one slice too far? That's coming up next. Well... The quest for the perfect body is on the rise across the UK. I'm pretty happy with mine, but one leading cosmetic doctor claimed that young people have lost the plot by overdoing affordable cosmetic surgery. Well, Stephen Jarvis has spent more than £30,000 in the search for physical perfection. Stephen's first cosmetic procedure was his teeth, which cost a whopping £11,000. They are very beautiful teeth, I have to say. He has had a number of other cosmetic procedures on his face, including Botox and fillers, costing around £4,000. Now, we're not talking an old person here. He's very <laughs> youthful. And years ago, he used to weigh 19 and a half stones. That's about 125 kilos. It took drastic action and had a gastric band, costing £6,000. Now, that worked pretty well, and he lost nearly eight stone and went right down to 50 kg but he still wasn't satisfied. He then had all the excess skin removed and no fewer than seven very serious procedures in one go, including a tummy tuck, liposuction on his chest, costing £10,000, and numerous other things that are really too scary to mention. Uh, so this here is what Stephen looked like before all his renovation works. And Stephen joins us now uh, alongside 
uh, Jane Deville Armand from the National Obesity Forum. Well, Stephen, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having um, me. You have an amazing physique now. Thank you. Um, but we looked at the pictures of you before, and I can't say there was anything that much wrong with them. I dress very well. <laughs> why, why did you go down this such a drastic route? So. I was diagnosed with diabetes and then I was put on an array of medication from trial drugs to normal everyday drugs that diabetics can get. With that, my weight was jumping from one side to the other on the scale. Right. So I, I couldn't get to grips with it. Right. So from that, my weight literally was going up, up, up and up. Yeah. Then I would just stay at the, what you've got. And the that obviously made you very unhappy. Yeah, like I didn't like what I saw because I was yeah. never that big before. So yeah. I was like, why, why should I stay like this? Okay, so you got the gastric band on and yeah. that tackled the weight but left you with a load of extra skin. Yeah. And is that where it all started in terms of, right, I need to get rid of that? And Yes, it's like, <clears throat> what can I take away and what can I do to look the way I want to look? And can you just exercise and, you know, find no, natural I, I, ways of doing this? I'd had um, a lot of consultations. I've been to see, like, personal trainers and I've been to see, like, surgeons. And I was like, let's see what is best. I've taken both opinions and even the personal so you trainers. Did your, you did your research. Two years worth of research. So that's your body. Yeah. Um, but why have you done all this stuff to your face? You've got a lovely face, <laughs> really young. So when, when you do lose weight, you do lose weight within your face. And obviously I'm too young now to do a facelift. So by doing fillers, Botox and other things aesthetically to my face, that replenishes and rejuvenates my okay. skin. So so let's bring in uh, um, let's bring in Jane here. Jane, a very good evening. Thanks for being with us. So uh, you've heard what um, what Stephen has said. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's Stephen's body. It's his choice. He's got the money to do it. Surely that's that's fine, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh, can I just say I'm from the British Obesity Society, not the National Obesity Forum. I'm that's so fine. sorry. Thank you very much um, for no, clarifying no, that. Um, and um, yeah, I don't want them phoning me up saying you don't belong <laughs> to us. Right. But, um, but, um, I think um, in Stephen's case, I think because he's had um, gastric band and obviously lots of uh, people who need to lose excessive amounts of weight when they have a band or a bypass, they very often do feel very unhappy with the skin that's left on their body. And I can absolutely understand why anyone who's had um, massive weight loss uh, will then decide to have um, their body their skin removed because it, it is unsightly isn't it Stephen it's, oh, it's you know when like. you lose a lot of weight it's very very unsightly people are very unhappy however um I have to say you look fantastic <laughs> thank you but I think I, I think you know um there are clinical reasons why people need to have cosmetic surgery <clears throat> such as gastric bands and gastric bypasses people who've got you know um growths on their face maybe or somebody who's got something that's that needs removing and they need to rebuild phases but I find it really sad that young people like you Stephen and like lots of young people today um feel unhappy with how they look because actually it's I not think always that... just unhappiness because I, I'm happy like I say like what well, I said God carved my face with one set of chisels and threw them away I'm just amending what he's made like I'm not saying that I wasn't happy how I looked my body I was unhappy with my face, I'm just, I'm altering it to my 
my judgment of perfection. But where, where, where will you stop? So you've already done all these things. You mm -hmm. went, you actually went to Turkey for the most yep. radical surgery, didn't yeah. you? Um, and you, you paid for it all up front or? Yep, so I saved like mm -hmm. over that two years period, I, I was saving, just kept putting money aside. Like I would do extra work. I worked seven days a week. And how long were you in hospital for so all I those was, procedures? I was there so the like whole... thigh narrowing and something yeah, else? Yes, so I had and... uh, inner thigh tightening. I had chest lipo, chest sculpting, chest tightening of the skin. Full tummy tuck, abdomen repair, out of And this is dangerous, right? Were you not frightened? No, because I'd done my research. I was oh. totally happy with. You'd done your research, but how, Jane? Um, to what extent is this uh, is this increase the product of pressure on social media, the various different platforms uh, for the perfect body? Well, I mean, you know, I look at social media now and I, I'm not being rude or cruel, but, you know, everyone looks the same to me. Everyone's got the same teeth <laughs> no and the same like face. <laughs> I can't, yeah, everyone looks, I can't tell the difference between people anymore. Stephen you know, says no one smart. looks like him. Come on, Stephen, like, respond to that. Th there isn't anyone else that looks like me. I'm, I'm a mixed race person of so many different ethnicities. Like, in my family, yeah, we, we look alike, but I've never seen another person that you could say I look like. Very quickly, tell us what else you want to do. You would think this is the finished product, <laughs> but no, I have heard you say you are thinking of leg lengthening. Yeah, I did look at that. I'd love to be taller. Like, I'd love to be six foot. And that, yeah. that does involve breaking your legs, right? Yeah, oh. but then I won't be able to work for quite a while, so that's off the cards. OK, never? Yeah, never for that. Hands? I think you've mentioned that before. Well, yeah, you can you can replenish you your can hands. Have a, apparently, you can have a if hand I can lift, replenish people, it, I'll do it. Hand so many more things to work on. Yeah, yeah hands you, are you fantastic. Could, but you can have like when you lose weight, like that's what ages. Jane, you. you're shaking your head. What's what yeah. are your thoughts on this? Do you know, honestly, I, I, th I think you've already alluded to it. You know, every single time we go under a medical procedure, you might have done all your research. I've been nursing for 49 years, and trust me, uh, things go wrong. They don't mean to go wrong, but, you know, and, and they might be the most amazing surgeon. But things do go wrong every time you go under an anaesthetic. You're putting your life at risk. Well, yeah, obviously, that is that is true, but... There's, that's why I would do my research. And if I was told by the surgeon, this is really not for you, I'm not just going to go and do it. Thank oh, you very thank much. Thank you, Stephen. Well done. You're very brave, I have to say. That's it from And thank us. you, Jane. And whatever you're up to, make sure you keep it uncensored. A very good night.